0: thought leadership from PwC welcome to PwC's accounting podcast I'm Heather Horn today's episode is our audio companion to our publication entitled navigating the ESG landscape comparison of the big three disclosure proposals and even if you've listened to prior iterations of this podcast Don't fast-forward to the next episode. This audio recording was updated on October 31, 2023 to highlight recent developments related to climate disclosure bills signed into law in California and the end of the scrutiny period for the European Sustainability Reporting Standards. For the latest information and resources on these and other ESG topics, Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform, as well as our other resources related to these proposals are included within the show notes, or you can head on over to viewpoint.pwc.com. On that note, all resources referenced throughout the podcast, including publications and guidance from non-PWC parties are linked in the print publication at viewpoint.pwc.com. And with that, let's get started. On February 17, 2023, ISSB Chair Emmanuel Faber said, quote, We responded to capital market and G20 demand for a common language of investor-focused sustainability-related disclosure, working diligently to deliver standards that fulfill the global baseline, end quote. After years of increasingly vocal demand for enhanced transparency about ESG matters from investors and other stakeholders, regulators and standard setters in various jurisdictions issued definitive proposals to transform ESG reporting in 2022. The year brought proposed ESG disclosures from the European Union, EU, as part of the Corporate Sustainability Reporting Directive, CSRD. Internationally, by the International Sustainability Standards Board (ISSB), and in the United States (U.S.) by the Securities and Exchange Commission (SEC), these big three disclosure frameworks each detail expansive sustainability disclosure requirements, although their scopes and other details vary. The sustainability disclosure is required by the ISSB. And in the EU, were finalized in June and July 2023, respectively. And while the final SEC rule is still pending, three bills signed into law by the California governor in October 2023 are poised to change the landscape of climate reporting in the United States. Given the geographic reach of these frameworks and their potential to encompass a broad spectrum of value chain contributors, most companies are expected to be impacted in some way. Proactive companies are in the process of assessing the applicability so that they are prepared to meet potentially short reporting deadlines. An SEC registrant that has a subsidiary listed in the EU and a subsidiary in a jurisdiction that requires ISSB reporting for example, may be subject to all three requirements, plus the new California bills. With equivalency, that is, whether disclosures for one reporting framework can satisfy some or all of the requirements of another, not yet determined, companies captured in multiple reporting regimes have a vested interest in understanding which reporting applies. Further, Understanding where the frameworks align and diverge will help companies develop the requisite reporting strategy, data gathering processes, and related controls, providing for a streamlined process and effective deployment of resources. This publication compares and contrasts key provisions among the European Sustainability Reporting Standards, ESRS, the standards issued by the ISSB, and the SEC proposal and includes select commentary on the California climate disclosure bills. By understanding the different requirements, preparers can develop the appropriate reporting strategy, one designed to capture the right data the first time. Let's start with background. Each of the frameworks recognizes that enhanced sustainability disclosures are good for the capital markets. The transparency and accountability engendered by the new disclosures may, and in the case of the CSR Deep are intended to, influence behavior and so may be good for the planet too. EU Regulations and Disclosure Framework The European Commission, EC, the European Parliament, and the Council of the European Union have made strides to ensure that sustainability regulations under the Corporate Sustainability Reporting Directive will be a reality. The CSRG was driven, in part, by the European Green Deal, a December 2019 European Commission package of policy initiatives designed to achieve climate neutrality by 2050 and protect Europe's natural habitats. On July 31, 2023, Reid McGuinness, Commissioner for Financial Services, Financial Stability, and Capital Markets Union said, quote, the standards we've adopted today are ambitious and are an important tool underpinning the EU's sustainable finance agenda. They strike the right balance between limiting the burden on reporting companies while at the same time enabling companies to show the efforts they're making to meet the Green Deal agenda and accordingly have access to sustainable finance, end quote. Although the EU's current non-financial reporting directive, NFRD, has imposed some requirements to disclose environmental and social impacts since 2017, the CSRD will result in more companies being included in scope and more detailed requirements. The CSRD was adopted by the European Parliament and the Council of the European Union in November 2022. The CSRD was effective on January 5, 2023. EU member states now have 18 months to incorporate the CSRD's provisions into national law. The scope of the CSRD includes EU subsidiaries of non-EU parent companies, including U.S. companies and other global multinational companies. For these companies, the CSRG may require reporting at the global consolidated level in addition to reporting by EU subsidiaries. It applies to all companies listed on EU regulated markets and to large, as defined in the directive, unlisted companies or groups in the EU. In addition, for companies potentially subject to more than one disclosure regime, CSRD provides more specific disclosure requirements than the SEC proposal or the standards issued by the ISSB. The CSRD resulted in the development of the ESRS as initially proposed by the European Financial Reporting Advisory Group, EFRAG. In November 2022, Efrag submitted the first set of draft standards to the European Commission for review. The European Commission subsequently consulted with EU regulatory authorities, expert groups, and EU member states, and, on June 9, 2023, released updated draft standards for an additional four-week public feedback period. The European Commission adopted the final standards on July 31, 2023, A two-month period of scrutiny from the European Parliament and Council of the European Union ended on October 21, 2023, and the ESRS are now final. The ESRS are not subject to separate transposition into law by the EU member states. They will become law once published in the official journal of the European Union. Following submission of the ESRS to the European Commission in 2022, FRAG announced its planned focus on sector standards in a November 2022 press release, including 10 sector standards in development, for example, agricultural, coal mining, food and beverages. In March 2023, however, FRAG indicated that it intends to focus its efforts on putting in place an, quote, ESRS implementation support function, end quote following a request from the European Commission to prioritize implementation support over development of sector standards. In meetings in August, September, and October 2023, FRAG discussed its draft implementation guidance related to the value chain and materiality assessments, which will be issued in November 2023 for public feedback before being finalized. In October 2023, the European Commission published a proposal to delay the adoption of the sector standards, as well as the dedicated standards for non-EU companies. Refer to our publications at viewpoint.pwc.com for more information. Next, IFRS Sustainability Disclosure Standards. On June 26, 2023, ISSB Chair Emmanuel Faber said, quote, the ISSB standards have been designed to help companies tell their sustainability story in a robust, comparable, and verifiable manner. We've consulted closely with the market to ensure the standards are proportionate and will result in disclosures that are relevant for investment decision-making. End quote. The ISSB sits alongside the International Accounting Standards Board, IASB, with both boards overseen by the IFRS Foundation. The formation of the ISSB was announced at COP26, the United Nations Global Summit to address climate change in November, 2021. The IFRS Foundation trustees acknowledge the importance of collaborating with organizations that have already developed sustainability reporting standards and building upon that foundation. The most recent development is the July 2023 announcement that the IFRS Foundation will take over monitoring climate-related disclosures for progress against the recommendations of the Task Force on Climate-Related Disclosures TCFD, beginning in 2024. Similar to the IASB's effectuation of standard-setting through the issuance of IFRS accounting standards, The ISSB's objective in issuing IFRS sustainability disclosure standards is delivering a global baseline of sustainability disclosures that satisfy capital market needs. The ISSB published its first two final standards in June 2023, one on climate-related disclosure requirements, IFRS S2 and one on general disclosure requirements addressing governance and other sustainability matters, IFRS S1. More thematic standards will be developed in due course. The results of the ISSB agenda consultation completed on September 1, 2023 may provide further insight into which topics the ISSB intends to tackle next. The agenda consultation focused on four potential priorities – research projects on sustainability-related risks and opportunities associated with biodiversity, ecosystems, and ecosystem services, human capital, and human rights, as well as a potential research project on the integration of financial reporting and sustainability reporting. We may see discussion of themes from the comment letters at upcoming board meetings in October and November, 2023. In the meantime, IFRS S1 requires companies to, quote, refer to and consider, end quote, the applicability of the disclosure topics and related metrics in the industry based standards issued by the Sustainability Accounting Standards Board. Other sources, such as the Climate Disclosure Standards Board Framework, pronouncements from other standard setters and the ESRS and Global Reporting Initiative, GRI standards, may also be considered. IFRS S1 and IFRS S2 are effective for periods beginning on or after January 1, 2024, which could mean reporting as early as 2025. The ISSB provided transition relief, however, requiring only climate-related disclosures in the first year of reporting. Thus, companies would be required to provide disclosures in accordance with IFRS S2, as well as the general disclosures under IFRS S1, only to the extent they relate to climate risks and opportunities. Individual jurisdictions will determine if application of the IFRS sustainability disclosure standards are required or permitted as a basis for sustainability reporting, akin to the process for adopting IFRS accounting standards for financial reporting. In July 2023, the International Organization of Securities Commissions, IOSCO, announced its endorsement of the standards and has now called on its 130-member jurisdictions, regulating more than 95% of the world's financial markets, to consider ways in which they may adopt, apply, or otherwise be informed by the ISSB standards in their jurisdictions. Most recently, in October 2023, the Brazilian Ministry of Finance announced that the standards will be incorporated into the Brazilian regulatory framework, progressing from voluntary application in 2024 to mandatory application in 2026. Brazil joins Nigeria, which previously announced adoption of the ISSB standards. Other territories, including the United Kingdom and Japan, announced support for the standards to form the baseline in the development of their own local standards. We expect announcements around the world to accelerate with the release of the final standards. Refer to our in-depth IFRS Sustainability Disclosure Standards Guidance, Insights, and Where to Begin, and Navigating Sustainability Reporting Practical Application and Analysis, as well as our podcast, Talking ESG, Inside Look at the ISSB's launch on final standards for more information. Those resources may be found at viewpoint.pwc.com. Now, the SEC proposal. In a 2010 interpretive release, the SEC outlined how its existing disclosure requirements apply to climate change matters. The release addressed how the rules governing the management's discussion and analysis and risk factors sections in a registrant's Form 10-K, for example, could recently be expected to include references to material exposures or impacts of climate change. At the time, the SEC noted that, quote, climate change has become a topic of intense public discussion in recent years, end quote. That intensity has continued to increase exponentially. The enforcement of existing rules was only going to move the disclosure needle so far. In March 2021, the SEC reiterated the importance of the 2010 interpretive guidance and in a public statement, then-acting SEC Chair Allison Lee issued a request for input on the need for climate-related disclosures. After evaluating the admittedly mixed responses to the request for input, with strong opinions in both support and opposition, the SEC issued a proposal in March 2022 that would significantly enhance climate-related disclosures in annual filings and registration statements. On March 21, 2022, SEC Chair Gary Gensler said, quote, Today's proposal would help the issuers more efficiently and effectively disclose climate risks and meet investor demand as many issuers already seek to do. I believe the SEC has a role to play when there's this level of demand for consistent and comparable information that may affect financial performance. end quote The SEC's proposal focuses specifically on how climate risks are identified. Assessed, managed, and disclosed, the financial impact of severe weather and other natural events, as well as transition activities and greenhouse gas GHG emissions. A final rule was initially expected in late 2022, but is now expected sometime in 2023, as is a proposal for enhanced human capital disclosures. Refer to our publication. The SEC wants me to disclose what? For more information on the SEC climate disclosure proposal. California climate disclosure bills. On October 7, 2023, the California governor signed into law landmark climate legislation that will require, one, GHG emissions reporting in compliance with the greenhouse gas protocol, two, climate-related financial risk reporting in line with the recommendations of the TCFD, And three, information about certain emissions claims and the sale and use of carbon offsets. Over 10,000 U.S. companies, including both public and private companies, as well as subsidiaries of non-U.S. headquartered companies, are expected to be impacted by the climate disclosure requirements in the near term. Let's compare the three different bills, starting with AB 1305, Voluntary Carbon Market Disclosures. The primary disclosure topics are, one, emission claims, two, use of carbon offsets, and three, sale of carbon offsets. There's no applicable framework, and the scope will be entities that, one, operate and make emissions claims within California, and two, buy or sell carbon offsets in California. Where filed? Publicly available on company's website. Assurance. Assurance. No, although certain disclosures are required about any independent third-party verification obtained. And the compliance date is January 1, 2024, with information updated at least annually. Now, SB 253, Climate Corporate Data Accountability Act, primary disclosure topic, Scope 1, Scope 2, and Scope 3, Greenhouse Gas Emissions. The framework is the GHD protocol. The scope is business entities with annual revenue over $1 billion that do business in California, where filed will be publicly available on a digital platform, assurance, yes, Phase assurance requirements beginning with limited assurance, and the compliance date will require annual reporting of Scope 1 and Scope 2 emissions in 2026 on prior fiscal year information and Scope 3 starting in 2027. Now, Senate Bill 261, Greenhouse Gases, Climate-Related Financial Risk. The primary disclosure topic, One, climate-related financial risks, and two, the measures a company has adopted to reduce and adapt to such risks. The framework will be TCFD. The scope will be business entities with annual revenue over $500 million that do business in California. The information must be publicly available on the company's website there are no assurance requirements and the compliance date will be on or before January 1, 2026 and biannually thereafter. For both SB 253 and SB 261, the definition of business entities is a partnership, corporation, limited liability company, or other business entity formed under the laws of California, the laws of any other state of the United States or the District of Columbia, or under an act of the Congress of the United States. The bills are brief, only a few pages each, and lack answers to some questions regarding how and when to apply the requirements. Further, the governor's approvals of SB 253 and SB 261 were accompanied by signing messages indicating that he plans to work with the California legislature next year to address certain concerns, including the implementation deadlines. Given that the bills would apply as soon as January 1, 2024, however, we recommend that companies evaluate applicability and reporting requirements based on what is known now. Refer to our publication, California's Not Waiting for the SEC's Climate Disclosure Rules, for more information on the bills. Now, let's turn to more details on the proposals, starting with the general features. One of the foundational points of alignment among the three frameworks is the incorporation of elements based on the Task Force on Climate-Related Financial Disclosures framework. Leveraging this popular framework provides a point of continuity with voluntary reporting and unites the disclosure frameworks through key themes, including required disclosure of the broad impacts of sustainability-related risks, as well as governance and oversight of the related risks and opportunities. California Senate Bill 261 also requires reporting using the TCFD framework. Connectivity between sustainability information and financial information also echoes throughout the frameworks. Let's compare the general features of the three frameworks, starting with topics in scope. European Commission. Standards span a broad list of environmental, social, and governance topics, including one dedicated to climate disclosures. ISSB. Standards address climate and other sustainability risks. Additional thematic standards are expected in the future. And SEC, the proposed rule addresses climate-related risks. A rule addressing human capital is also expected in the future. Next, industry standards. European Commission. 10 sector-specific standards have been announced and are in development. ISSB, a company is required to, quote, refer to and consider, end quote, the applicability of the disclosure topics in the SASB standards. SEC, industry-specific disclosures are not required. Next, location of disclosures, European Commission. Disclosure would be included within a dedicated section of the management report no financial statement footnote disclosure would be required. ISSB. Disclosure would be included as part of general purpose financial reporting, such as in management commentary. No financial statement footnote disclosure would currently be required. SEC. Disclosure would be included in a separate section of the annual report or registration statement. A financial statement footnote would include disclosure of the impact of severe weather and transition-related activities. Observations. One striking difference among the frameworks is the breadth of topics in scope, although there may be further alignment in the future if the SEC and ISSB issue further guidance as expected. Industry standards are another point of potential future alignment. Industry is already an explicit focus of the IFRS Sustainability Disclosure Standards. IFRS S1 requires the company to consider the applicability of the SASB standards when identifying sustainability-related risks and opportunities. And although proposed to be delayed from 2024 to 2026, ESRS will also include sector standards. Another key difference among the frameworks is the SEC's requirement to include specified disclosures in the notes to the financial statements, a proposal which sparked strong stakeholder feedback on both sides of the debate. We support standardized climate-related disclosures in the footnotes to the financial statements because we believe this information would aid investors in better understanding the impact of climate risks on the financial statements. Although, as discussed in the materiality section, we do not agree with the SEC's proposed 1% disclosure threshold. The final ESRS and ISSB standards refer to the importance of interconnectedness between sustainability disclosures and general purpose financial reporting. The ISB and FASB have each released guidance emphasizing the current accounting standards that could reasonably be expected to elicit disclosures about the impact of climate events and risks. In addition, in March 2023, the IASB decided to undertake a project to evaluate stakeholder concerns about disclosures of climate-related risks in the financial statements. Next, let's cover materiality. As in traditional financial reporting, sustainability disclosures will be driven, in large part, by an assessment of what's material. The approach to materiality, however, is one of the key differences among the three disclosure frameworks. The IFRS sustainability disclosure standards consider the impact of sustainability on the company through an investor lens, requiring information about how it could impact financial performance. The SEC proposal also applies an investor lens. In contrast, however, CSRD widens the definition of materiality to also require a company to consider how it has impacted or will impact people or the environment, including impacts in relation to environmental, social, and governance matters. Let's compare materiality and time horizon themes across the three frameworks, starting with materiality, European Commission, Materiality would be assessed based on quote double materiality consisting of financial materiality, an outside in perspective, and impact materiality, an inside out perspective. ISSB. Materiality would be assessed based on factors that could reasonably be expected to influence decisions that the primary users make based on that information. SEC Materiality would be assessed based on the definition of materiality in existing securities laws, Supreme Court precedent. A 1% bright line threshold would be applied for financial statement footnote quantitative disclosures. Next, time horizons for specific disclosures. European Commission. Time horizons of short, medium, and long-term are prescribed, although the entity may adapt the period's The definition of long-term in the climate standard may be applied differently. ISSB. Time horizons for disclosure of risks and opportunities over the short, medium, and long-term are not defined. SEC: Time horizons for disclosure of risks and opportunities over the short, medium, and long-term are not defined. Observations. Each of the frameworks requires companies to consider risks that may occur over the short, medium, and long term, which requires an assessment of materiality over these time periods. Today, materiality is typically considered in the context of a company's current financial condition and may not explicitly consider future periods, especially periods that extend as far in the future as many potential climate-related impacts. We believe additional guidance in this area, such as specifying that time horizons should be limited to those periods when the impact on future cash flows could have a material effect on investors, or in the case of double materiality, a material effect on stakeholders, would be helpful to ensure consistency and comparability. We also believe that investor-focused materiality will assist in achieving comparability of reporting. While the SEC and ISSB have leveraged the definition of materiality used in today's financial reporting, there may be uncertainty as to how traditional concepts of materiality would translate to climate and GHG emissions reporting. In addition, there are questions about whether the application of the different definitions of materiality will actually result in significant differences, particularly as practice evolves. Recent developments may also impact application. The final ESRS specify that quote, a sustainability matter is material from a financial perspective if it triggers or could reasonably be expected to trigger material financial effects." End quote. The ESRS also require additional disclosures if the company concludes that climate change is not material including forward-looking analysis of the factors that could lead to climate change becoming material to the company in the future. SEC Bright Line Threshold In our view, which is shared by numerous other commenters, the SEC's current proposed financial statement footnote disclosure threshold of 1% would not provide the type of meaningful information that investors are demanding and would be difficult for registrants to implement. Applying the traditional concept of materiality would result in more cohesive disclosures and greater focus on the information that would be important to investors. Next, let's turn to targets, transition plans, and resilience. The frameworks all include required disclosure of a company's targets or goals how it intends to meet its targets and goals, and related progress toward applicable milestones. A key difference, however, is the CSRD requirement for companies to set emission target values as of prescribed dates and for transition plans aimed at, quote, the limiting of global warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius, end quote, with an intent to drive behavioral change. The ISSB standards and SEC proposal do not prescribe specific targets or dates, instead requiring disclosure of any targets set by the company. California Senate Bill 261 also requires additional disclosures related to the measures the company has adopted to reduce and adapt to the disclosed climate-related financial risks. And although the bill includes transition provisions for companies unable to fully comply with TCFD reporting in the first year, there's no similar relief given for this requirement. Let's compare across the three frameworks, starting with targets and transition plans. European Commission Commitment to and disclosure of GHG emissions reduction targets would be required in five-year rolling periods, including target values for at least 2030 and, if available, 2050. Disclosure about the transition plan's compatibility with the Paris Agreement or updated international agreement on climate change would also be required. ISSB. Disclosure would be required of any climate-related targets set by the company, including how such targets were informed by the, quote, latest international agreement on climate change, end quote, currently the Paris Agreement. Such targets or goals would include those set in response to regulatory requirements or climate-related treaty or law. SEC. Disclosure would be required of any climate-related targets or goals set by the company. Such targets or goals would include those set in response to regulatory requirements or climate-related treaty or law. Next, use of scenario analysis, European Commission. The use of scenario analysis would be required to assess resilience. Explanation is required of whether and how Scenario analysis is consistent with the Paris Agreement and limiting climate change to 1.5 degrees Celsius. ISSB, the use of scenario analysis would be required to assess resilience. Disclosure of whether the company used a scenario that aligns with the latest international agreement on climate change would be required. SEC: any means could be used to assess resilience. Additional disclosures would be required if scenario analysis is used. The proposal does not require consideration of specific scenarios. Observations. The disclosure of targets or goals is an important element of the disclosure requirements. These disclosures provide a degree of accountability, both with regard to behavioral changes and also to help alleviate greenwashing. The flexibility afforded by the ISSB and SEC regarding scenario analysis allows management to choose the variables most impactful to its business or, alternatively, choose widely accepted scenarios, such as those detailed in the Paris Agreement. The fundamental ambition of the Paris Agreement is to limit global warming to well below 2 degrees Celsius above pre industrial levels by the end of this century and to pursue efforts to limit global warming even further to 1.5 degrees Celsius. Instead of choosing company-specific scenarios, some argue that adopting targets, models, and calculation methods that are universally applied will enhance comparability, consistency, and reliability of the reported disclosures. For example, the ESRS definition of net zero is consistent with the Science Based Target Initiative, SBTI. The SBTI also provides criteria and guidelines to companies in line with the latest climate science as a pathway towards meeting the goals of the Paris Agreement. Now let's discuss GHG emissions. All three frameworks and California SB 253 would require GHG emissions disclosures and reference the Greenhouse Gas Protocol, although use of the GHG Protocol is not required by the SEC, and the ISSB allows for other methods to be used only if required by an exchange or jurisdictional authority. One notable difference among the frameworks is with respect to the required organizational boundary, that is, the scope of entities included in the GHG disclosures. The SEC proposal would require alignment with the financial statements, whereas the ISSB Sustainability Disclosure Standards and the California Climate Disclosure Bills provide the flexibility allowed by the GHG protocol. The ESRS require the parent to use organizational boundaries consistent with the financial statements, but presentation of GHG emissions for associates, joint ventures, and other unconsolidated arrangements would depend on whether the company has operational control. Senate Bill 253 is the only one of the frameworks that mandates full compliance with the GHG Protocol. Now let's compare across the three frameworks starting with a discussion of the use of the GHG Protocol. European Commission. Consideration of the GHG Protocol is required. The Environmental Footprint Methods proposed by the European Commission or the Framework for GHG Accounting stipulated in International Organization for Standardization, ISO 14064, may also be considered. ISSB Use of the GHG protocol would be required unless a different method is required by a jurisdictional authority or exchange. SEC. Use of the GHG protocol would not be required, although the proposed requirements are based on its concepts. Next, GHG emissions organizational boundaries. European Commission. Emissions of the parent and consolidated subsidiaries would follow the organizational boundaries of the consolidated financial statements. Emissions of associates, joint ventures, and other unconsolidated arrangements would be presented based on operational control. ISSB, emissions would be reported using either a control or equity share approach consistent with optionality described in the GHG protocol. SEC emissions would be reported following the organizational boundaries of the consolidated financial statements. Observations, We support the use of a set of globally accepted standards for the measurement of greenhouse gases to provide enhanced comparability and usefulness of company-specific data. We recommend that ESG standard setters and regulators work together to ensure that key elements that support high-quality standards are more formally incorporated into the maintenance and ongoing development of the GHG protocol, such as establishing formal due process amending for the impact of current accounting standards, and implementing a continuous update process. To this end, in March 2022, the World Resource Institute announced its intention to assess the need for incremental guidance, a key focus of which would be alignment with accounting rules. For example, the GHG protocol predates changes to lease and consolidation accounting. And On November 23, 2022, the GHG Protocol launched four surveys on potential updates to its corporate standards and guidance. Comments were due March 14, 2023. Next, let's cover GHG Emissions Scope 1 and Scope 2 Disclosures. All three disclosure frameworks and California Senate Bill 253 include requirements to disclose Scope 1 and Scope 2. GHG emissions in carbon dioxide equivalent, CO2E tons. The ESRS and SEC proposal also require presentation of one or more intensity metrics, a ratio of emissions to specific financial statement measures, excluding the impact of purchased or generated offsets. The disclosures also include the same seven gases, which are consistent with those included in most major reduction schemes although only the SEC proposal would require disclosure of Scope 1 and Scope 2 emissions by each type of gas on a disaggregated basis. Unlike the other frameworks, California Senate Bill 253 requires full compliance with the GHG protocol, including reporting of both location-based and market-based Scope 2 information. Now let's compare across the three frameworks. First, Scope 1 and Scope 2 GHG emissions. European Commission. Disclosure of gross Scope 1 and Scope 2 emissions for the parent and consolidated subsidiaries, as well as entities over which it has operational control. The percentage of Scope 1 emissions under regulated emission trading schemes would be separately disclosed. Scope 2 emissions would be separately disclosed using both the location-based and market-based methods. There's no requirement to disaggregate emissions by type of greenhouse gas. ISSB Disclosure of Gross Scope 1 and Scope 2 GHG emissions for the consolidated group and separately for the investees excluded from consolidation, such as its associates and joint ventures. Scope 2 emissions would be disclosed using the location-based method, and there's no requirement to disaggregate emissions by type of GHG. SEC. Proposed disclosure of gross scope 1 and scope 2 GHG emissions for the consolidated group, including equity method investments. Scope 2 emissions would be disclosed using either the location-based or market-based method. Or combination. Would require emissions to be disaggregated by type of GHG. Next, GHG emissions intensity, European Commission. Disclosure of total GHG emissions per net revenue would be required. ISSB, no requirement to disclose GHG emissions intensity. SEC, Disclosure of total Scope 1 and Scope 2 GHG emissions per unit of total revenue and per unit of production, or an alternative, if not available, would be required. Observations. GHG emissions are among the most common disclosures provided by companies that issue voluntary sustainability reporting. We support the SEC's proposed requirement to require disaggregated information about the type of greenhouse gases emitted by a registrant because this would be meaningful information for investors given the differing levels of global warming potential among the different gases. Disaggregated data may also aid investors in understanding a company's risk profile because different gases may be subject to varying regulations. In addition, as the science and methodology for monitoring and measuring greenhouse gases continue to evolve, we support flexibility to allow for the expansion of reported gases to keep pace with broader scientific and societal developments. We acknowledge that a GHG emissions intensity measure is a widely used metric. In the context of a net zero or other substantial greenhouse gas reduction commitment, however, the absolute quantity of GHG emissions released into the atmosphere and progress toward the goal is more meaningful than a GHG intensity measure. Further, an intensity metric may mask emissions growth. For example, if a company is increasing revenue by raising prices, its revenue-based intensity metric may show a decline even if emissions have increased for the same number of units sold. Therefore, we support the ISSB's decision to omit required disclosure of intensity metrics. Next, let's cover GHG emissions scope 3 disclosures. Scope 3 emissions included companies' upstream and downstream activities which the GHG protocol classifies into 15 categories based on the activities giving rise to the emissions. All three disclosure frameworks and California Senate Bill 253 include specific requirements to disclose scope three GHG emissions, although smaller reporting companies would be exempt from the SEC's proposed scope three requirements. In accordance with the final ESRS, The reporting entity's Scope 3 emissions would include the Scope 3 emissions from associates, joint ventures, and unconsolidated subsidiaries over which it has operational control. Its Scope 3 emissions would also include the Scope 1, Scope 2, and Scope 3 emissions of those associates, joint ventures, and unconsolidated subsidiaries, A, in its value chain, and B, over which it does not have operational control. The ESRS provides a specific format that is to be followed for disclosure of all GHG emissions and related targets and goals. The ISSB and California Senate Bill 253 provide for a one-year delay on reporting of Scope 3 emissions for all companies, while the ESRS offer a one-year delay on Scope 3 reporting For companies with fewer than 750 employees, let's compare across the three disclosure frameworks. European Commission. Scope 3 emissions would be disclosed in total for the parent and consolidated subsidiaries, as well as entities over which it has operational control, including significant Scope 3 categories. Scope 3 emissions would include Scope 1, Scope 2, and Scope 3 emissions of associates joint ventures, and unconsolidated subsidiaries in its value chain over which it does not have operational control. ISSB. Scope 3 emissions would be disclosed in total, including component categories. SCC. Scope 3 emissions would be disclosed in total, including component categories if, one, they are material, or two, the company has set an emissions reduction target or goal that includes Scope 3 emissions. Emissions related to significant Scope 3 categories would also be disclosed, if Scope 3 disclosures are required. Next, GHG emissions intensity. European Commission. Disclosure of total GHG emissions per net revenue would be required. ISSB. No requirement to disclose GHG emissions intensity. SCC. Disclosure of Scope 3 GHG emissions per unit of total revenue and per unit of production or an alternative if not available would be required if Scope 3 disclosures are required. Observations. Investors are interested in Scope 3 emissions data, particularly in circumstances when a company's upstream or downstream activities are emissions-intensive. Reporting of Scope 3 emissions, however, May be challenging for many companies given their reliance on upstream and downstream entities for the underlying data. Further, the disparate sources of information as well as level of estimation required may create challenges in developing the scope 3 amounts in a reliable and timely manner. We believe the needs of investors should be balanced against the potential difficulties for preparers in producing reliable, timely information. For example, when there's a related announced target or goal that includes scope three emissions, disclosure may be relevant to investors because of the accountability it creates. In the absence of a target or goal related to scope three emissions, we believe allowing alternative approaches that may balance investor needs against preparer challenges would be helpful. Next, let's cover assurance. Confidence in the information disclosed by registrants is a critical component of efficient capital markets. Providing investors with comparable confidence in both sustainability and financial information is a driver of the assurance requirements under the CSRD and in the SEC proposal, although there are key differences in the scope of the disclosure frameworks. Whether similar assurance will be required for those applying the IFRS Sustainability Disclosure Standards will be decided by the jurisdictions adopting the standards. Both the CSRD and SEC would include a phased assurance approach, beginning with limited assurance and increasing to reasonable assurance at a later date. Limited assurance, the negative form of assurance stating that no matter has been identified by the auditor to conclude that the subject matter is materially misstated, a review. Reasonable assurance will require more extensive procedures, including consideration of a company's internal controls and audit. California Senate Bill 253 includes phased assurance requirements for Scope 1 and Scope 2 emissions beginning with limited assurance in the first year of reporting and progressing to reasonable assurance. Limited assurance in scope three emissions is also required on a phase timeline. Now let's compare across the frameworks, starting with assurance on items other than GHG emissions. European Commission. Sustainability information would initially be subject to limited assurance, transitioning to reasonable assurance at an unspecified date. ISSB. Sustainability information would be subject to assurance based on the rules of the jurisdictions adopting the standards. SEC Footnote disclosure would be subject to assurance through the financial statement audit and internal control over financial reporting attestation requirements. Outside of the footnotes, only Scope 1 and Scope 2 GHG emissions would be subject to required assurance. Next, assurance on GHG emissions. European Commission. GHG emissions would be subject to the same assurance as other sustainability information. ISSB. GHG emissions would be subject to assurance based on the rules of the jurisdictions adopting the standards. SCC. Scope 1 and Scope 2 emissions would be subject to limited assurance in year 2 and 3 for large accelerated and accelerated filers transitioning to reasonable assurance beginning in year four. Observations. In our global investor survey completed in fall 2022, we found that investors value assurance as a way to give them confidence in corporate reporting on sustainability. At the top of their list is reasonable assurance, which is the same level as the financial statement audit. 75% of respondents report more confidence in ESG information if it has been subject to reasonable assurance. Investors also want to know that a company's actually done what it says it has done, 79%, as well as that the reporting is in line with a recognized reporting framework, 77%. Further, we believe that certain aspects of the attestation standards may require clarification to enable assurance on the entirety of the sustainability information as envisioned by the CSRD. The International Auditing and Assurance Standards Board is currently undertaking a project to develop international standards on sustainability assurance. An exposure draft was issued on August 2, 2023, and the comment period closes on December 1, 2023. Refer to the announcement linked in the print publication for more information. Reporting on and assurance of compatibility with global or territory goals may be particularly complex as there are multiple future factors to be considered which are not under the control of a reporting entity. Setting specific scenarios, models, and or calculation methods to use, for example, science-based targets initiative for climate change, would enhance comparability, consistency, and reliability of the reporting and increase the likelihood of reasonable assurance being achievable. Finally, let's address effective dates and transition. Once all have been finalized, the three frameworks would introduce a new era of reporting by requiring sustainability-related information to be issued together with annual financial statement reporting, and companies do not have much time to prepare. Effective dates are approaching rapidly with the earliest CSRD reports required for 2024. California Senate Bill 261 requires companies to make their first TCFG report publicly available by January 1, 2026. Further, California Senate Bill 253 requires initial reporting on GHG emissions in 2026 on prior fiscal year information although the date of the reporting deadline is yet to be determined. Now let's compare across the frameworks, starting with timing of application. European Commission. Timing is established by the CSRD and would be phased by type of entity. Disclosure requirements would be applicable in 2024, filing in 2025 for a, quote, large undertaking as defined that has securities listed on an EU-regulated market and more than 500 employees. ISSB, timing will depend on how standards are implemented in each jurisdiction. Disclosure requirements of IFRS S2 are effective for annual reporting periods beginning on or after January 1, 2024 with early adoption permitted. In the first year of reporting, Entities are permitted to apply IFRS S1 only to the extent it relates to the disclosure of climate-related information. SEC Timing is expected to be phased by type of filer, with disclosure requirements potentially applicable as early as 2024, filing in 2025, for large accelerated filers. Scope 3 disclosures would be required a year after other disclosures. Next, comparative information, European Commission, comparative information would not be required in the first year of adoption, but required thereafter, ISSB, comparative information would not be required in the first year of adoption, but required thereafter, SEC. comparative information would be required for all periods presented. Information that's not reasonably available could be omitted under existing SEC guidance. Observations: The timing of adoption of the CSRD and California climate bills is aggressive and provides minimal time for companies to prepare for sweeping changes in the scope of reporting. Although the ISSB also established an aggressive effective date, companies may have more time, depending on the individual jurisdictions adopting the standards. Responding to concerns around timing, the European Commission provided various transition reliefs in the ESRS. For example, a two-year delay for some companies to report certain environmental and social disclosures. Given the demand for sustainability information from investors, as well as the EU's intention to make meaningful progress on the Green Deal in the near term, We understand the appeal of rapid implementation. We also, however, understand that companies need time before initial adoption to develop the new systems, processes, and controls necessary to produce information of the scope required by the disclosures at a level of quality commensurate with that needed in regulatory filings. While well, the European Commission and the ISSB acknowledged the challenges in preparing comparative information in the initial year of adoption and provided for prospective application, as proposed, SEC registrants would be required to provide comparative information for all years presented unless they qualify for the accommodations provided in the SCC rules. In our response to the SEC we recommend omitting comparatives in the first year. Final thoughts. The SEC proposal is still pending, even as the ESRS and IFRS sustainability disclosure standards are now final. Comment letter respondents to all three sets of draft proposals frequently highlighted the practical need for international collaboration and consistency, including equivalency determinations when appropriate. To this objective, The European Commission, EFRAG, and the ISSB have announced that they're working together on interoperability guidance intended to assist companies that apply both ESRS and IFRS sustainability disclosure standards. How the SEC guidance will address interoperability, however, and whether equivalence or similar relief will ultimately be available, especially given the differing objectives of the three frameworks is still unknown. In the meantime, however, the California climate reporting requirements scope in more companies than the SEC proposal and accelerate climate reporting in the U.S. And although two of the California bills allow a company to satisfy its reporting requirements by leveraging disclosures prepared to meet other national and international reporting requirements as long as those reports meet the requirements of the respective bills, Managing a company's sustainability reporting obligations is becoming increasingly difficult given the growing number of reporting requirements worldwide. Proposals such as those by the Australian Accounting Standards Board, which recently released proposed standards for climate reporting which would remove references to the SASB from the IFRS Sustainability Disclosure Standards, further complicate reporting for multinational companies. Companies should develop processes to monitor developments and should also consider developing reporting processes that enable flexibility to respond to multiple requirements with the same underlying data. The pace of change is expected to continue to accelerate and companies should begin to prepare for what they know now, with the ability to layer in additional proposals as needed. Preparing for the new reporting requirements may span a year or more, depending on its current readiness and the number of reporting regimes that will be applicable. And with the effective dates for several requirements looming for some companies, now is the time to focus on understanding the scope and potential impact of the rules. That does it for our In The Loop audio companion. Thanks for listening. Be sure to check out the print version available at viewpoint.pwc.com, along with other PwC resources. Our publications, comment letters, and podcasts offer additional information and insight into the three frameworks, so that you never miss any of our audio content. Follow the PwC Accounting Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. From Thought Leadership at PwC. I'm Heather Horn. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast is brought to you by PwC, all rights reserved. PwC refers to the U.S. member firm or one of its subsidiaries or affiliates, and they sometimes refer to the PwC network. Each member firm is a separate legal entity. Please see www.pwc.com slash structure for further details. This podcast is for general information purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for consultation with professional advisors.